Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host, Brendan Sinone, and we got a full bench today. Josh Newberg, hello. Hello. <laughs> He's got a bunch of money in dog coin right now and is feeling pretty good. Got Zach Blaustein, Zachary. Hello, good sir. What's up? Zach, do you want to tell them what we got coming on the back end of this podcast? A little little special surprise for the for yeah, the we listeners? got we got a little special guest, but I'll leave it for because we we introduce we introduce him um, in, in that section. So okay. just know it's we got, we got a special guest and it's a Florida State commit. Also, if you clicked on the story to get to this or just saw the podcast title, you'll probably know that it's oh, Travis, true. Yeah, Travis Hunter. Yeah, but if not, then then ignore that. I just said Travis Hunter. Oh, I did it again. Just don't look at the title. Yeah, don't look at anything. Just go in and this is an audio medium, no visual. Christopher, hello. Good morning. How are you doing, buddy? You stared at your computer seven hours yesterday waiting for a commitment that didn't happen. I feel like you're broken since then. <laughs> Mama Bear just did it to me. She, <laughs> she held on to that thing and then didn't let it be known. And I was just, it, it wasn't enjoyable. I, uh, I was, what are you guys talking about? Efton Reed, the basketball seven-footer from IMG, originally from Virginia. He was supposed to decide yesterday it's a pretty well unknown for sure where he's going to end up fsu pit lsu ohio state some others in it it was supposed to be yesterday got to about 7 15 i think it was and she let it be known that he was going to delay but it's one of those where you know we don't go into many commitments blind and we certainly don't go into many commitments like literally just waiting for the moment and not knowing when the moment will be and yesterday was that and it just it wasn't enjoyable and we certainly don't dedicate seven hours of our time to basketball recruiting, typically. Hey, man, somebody has to cover the program that's made it to three consecutive Sweet 16s. They're going to start covering beach volleyball, too? Sure. <laughs> not such a bad idea. Anyways, we got a lot, uh, a lot, a lot on the docket today. Uh, FSU, the athletic department has had a lot of news coming out. Uh, there's a lot of commitment stuff, which is, I think, where we'll start. We'll play a little Byers Sinone. Uh, Josh, I asked the guys before you jumped on, I, I told you like three or four times to get Byers Sinone questions ready. Uh, any chance you've done that? Yeah, of course. I don't believe that, but we'll find out. And I have some backups just in case. I think we need to end Byers Sinone, and I'll say why during the Byers Sinone segment. Will Byers Sinone, Byers Sinone? Byers Sinone 2021 to 2021. It was a great ride. It's time to end it, though. This will be the last ride. No, I got some good. I got some good juice. You guys are gonna like it, and we're gonna keep it going. I took it out of the listeners' hands, and I put it back in mine, taking over my buyer to know. No, you do. You told me to do it this week. Yeah, but I knew you wouldn't do it. I, don't I did do did. it. I have them written down. I'm proud of you, Josh. I had doubts that you would actually do that, but look at you. How many times did Brendan tell me in the group text? Like four. Right. Yeah, but the issue is no one ever responds in the group text with like a confirmation of anything. When did it finally take the fourth time? No, I mean, I, I normally do better buyers and owns than Brendan anyway, so I'm wow. not ready. Oh, that's fine. I don't mind if he does better ones than me. I'll just make it. All right. There's news to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the ball rolling here. Oh, kids. my God. Oh, my Come God. On, Brendan. Oh, my God. All right. Commitments. Decommitments. Two commitments. Decommitments. Uh, if you're Chris Nee, they're also called recommitments when you send in the newsletter incorrectly. It, it's <laughs> Apple's fault. It's all Apple's fault. Yeah, blame Apple. All right. So there was there in the last, what, three days, there have been two commitments and two decommitments. Uh, the world is balanced. It's even, you know, it's always kind of give, take, whatever. Let's start with the good news. Uh, we will go with the 2022 commitment from athlete Brian Courtney up in Virginia. Uh, who wants to, you know what, Zach, I'm going to throw this to you because you, uh, you had the juice on that, right? Or did Josh have the juice? I can't keep up. Yeah, I mean, 
Um, we got we kind of got word that he, he was going to make a decision. Um, I think the day before he actually did. And um, the Florida State staff's pretty high on him. Um, he, he plays both ways in high school. He, he run he rushes off the edge on defense, and then he's kind of their their quarterback in that in that system. But he, he runs the ball a lot at quarterback, so I think that's where they get um, his tight end pro- projection just because of the way he moves. So, yeah, Brian Courtney out of Virginia, he actually came down for the spring game. Um, I didn't get to catch up with him. Uh, you know, he wasn't one of those guys that was there originally, but he came in after um, with the, with that final group. I, I got some photos of him. So yeah, exactly. Um, he was hanging out though with the with the guys. Yeah, like he wasn't yeah. just there on his own. He was he was in the group because you sent. We took a photo, a group photo of a bunch of the guys at the Unconquered statue. And that day you were like, hey, who's this guy over here on the right, you know, hanging out with everybody? We weren't sure. And then the next day we found out that it, that that was Brian Courtney, right? Yeah, exactly. So he was hanging around Nico Markiel and the other guys there, Travis Hunter and all, all those other targets and commits that were hanging out as a group for the game. Six foot three, 225, could play on defense, as Zach mentioned, probably be an outsider inside back or if he plays defense. But I think FSU likes him on the offensive side of the ball, likely as a tight end H back type. You know, role wise, kind of comparable to maybe a Preston Daniel or a White Rector to some degree in the sense of what they'll probably expect him to do. He gets on the field effectively. He's a kid that was actually a quarterback target up until FSU came in the picture, and then he was open to playing other positions. Also, Brandon. first, first buyer Sinone question. I'm going to integrate it in. Are we buying or Sinone the 4.5 second verified 40-yard dash? I'm buying it. I want Josh to respond. I feel like he had some strong feelings on this. What's up, Josh? No, I'm I'm playing the company line, you guys. We're not getting in any trouble this week. And I love the commitment and the timing of it and the fact that they didn't wait until camp. There's I love that they got him locked up with no other competition. And the fact that they could have seen him on campus in like six weeks and busted him themselves and got verified numbers themselves. But nonetheless, Harvard and, and Yale are recruiting him. So I guess locking him down now was important. But no, I'm not. Um, okay hold on but i do want to talk about this i don't want to be the bad guy in this situation but does anybody just have a question on why why you would take him right now why now yeah i i think that's a legitimate question josh when you he's a project right because he's playing at a smaller classification in virginia not an area that you're typically boots on the ground have great contacts with uh, and so you're taking him and you're getting him at a position where he's not playing. So there's a lot of projection going on here. Why take it now and, and then not wait until June? We're, we're dipping into my buyer's own bag, by the way, right now. Oh my God. Okay. So we're uh, same, same mindset, but um, I don't know. I, I get it. I'm fine with the take. I like what you see on the highlights. I like the potential, the upside. I like that. Still a Chris ism checking all the boxes, GPA up there. Uh, if we trust the, the 40 yard time, which like it, it flashes on the film, he breaks away from a lot of tackles. Um, take that. And he's physical. He's productive. He had a high school game where he had seven touchdowns, four sacks, three forced fumbles. Like he's a football player. I'm cool with it, but, but I do get the, the question of it, Josh. Like I think there's some reason to be a little skeptical of like, why can't we just wait a few more weeks for this to, to make sure. 
It's a tight yeah, end. Was, so I'm not, I'm not sorry, Zach, didn't mean to cut you off. It's a tight end. So I'm not overthinking the whole situation. And I also look at who FSU has offered at tight end in that class and who they were likely going to get. I don't feel like this kid supersedes somebody else they were going to potentially take. The video is fine. I, I'm not disagreeing with Josh and the idea of maybe you get him down here in June, see him up close and personal, make sure it verifies everything you see on film and you believe about the measurements and the times. So I think that's a fair point, but you're going to either win with the guys you pick or you're going to get fired because of the guys you pick, but make sure they're the guys you pick. And I think that's sort of the case here. This is somebody they want, they like, and they believe in. So they went and took it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach, get your take. On. I was just going to say that um, the only reason I think camp would have been a, a better way to, to take him, like, you know, get him in camp just because he's not a tight end. Uh, he doesn't play tight end at all on his tape. Um, so we don't know how he catches the ball, how he moves as a, as a route runner. Um, in a camp setting, you can put him at whatever position you want. You can see how he works at that position. So I, I just, I think maybe waiting towards, towards that June camp would have been better in this situation, just because he's not, you're projecting at a position he doesn't play at currently at all. So I like what he he shows on 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 film with his speed, his size, and just the overall athleticism on both sides of the ball. But you just like it's hard to project him at a position he doesn't play at without seeing him in person. They haven't been able to go and see recruits in person for so long now that they're kind of just trusting you know measurements and um, and and just the tape they've seen from from this spring because he's, he's playing spring football up in Virginia because their, their season got postponed. If you're a, so I, I would, I would look at it this way. Like if you trust your evaluation though, on someone like, why not just take them? And ultimately this is why I'm, I think I'm a cool with the take now. And I, I get Josh's perspective, but like take the kid, work it out in, in June. If he comes down here and he doesn't look like he belongs as an FSU caliber of athlete, then you can kind of pivot and, and figure it out. Um, it's not like, it's not like if the worst case scenario presented itself and you're pushing along away from somewhere, what school is he in at Virginia? Like is FSU ever recruited from there before? It's not like you'd be slamming the door on a Miami central kid or, or Dr. Phillips kid or something like that to where you'd be burning these, these bridges. If, if it the worst case presented, presented itself and, um, yeah, but we're going to, just to play devil's advocate, we're going to, over the next six weeks, we're going to write about kids from Florida, from Georgia, from Louisiana, from Mississippi that are at bigger positions of need that FSU is going to tell, hey, we need to see you in camp before we offer. So being that it's the tight end position, being that the competition is a huge question mark, being that he's playing out of position, being that you don't, you're not really in it nobody's knocking at his door trying to get him committed. I just question, you know, I have a big question on, on, on what their, what the uh, urgency is to get him on the boat there, there are, so quickly. There are a yeah. lot of ifs. And usually when there's a lot of question marks, uh, I typically try to stay away from it because those don't always turn out to be positive answers, I guess. So I see your point. But I think to answer Josh's if scenarios there, they like him. I mean, I think it's really that simple. I think the offensive coordinator likes them a great deal. I think the head coach likes them a great deal. If Ultimately, can, they're the ones who have to pick it, live with it, hope it works out, makes them a better football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they get the situation they're in with what the current roster talent is, what they need to be, how they get better as a football program. I don't think they're just taking a guy on, what, April 14th or whatever it was, 
just mm-hmm. to take them, especially this yeah. year because they are recruiting with momentum. They have a lot of opportunities. But that position, Caden Helms, isn't happening. Right. I, I put a crystal ball in for Oklahoma on Caden Helms. Jaleel Skinner would be awesome, but you got to conquer a few biggies to get there. And now I, just, I will say that I DM with Jaleel Skinner yesterday, and I'm thinking that he's going to come in for the June 5th camp or June 6th camp. I should say, um, he said him and his mom are working on those details now, but he's going to take a couple trips and FSU should be one of them. But yeah. And then there's uh, Marcus Peterson, correct? That's right. Last name at Lake City, Columbia. Mm-hmm. Those are three tight ends that I think we can look at as guys that FSU has recruited. A kid like Darren Agu, who might play offense or defense, committed to Notre Dame. I think mm-hmm. he's going to defense at Notre Dame. A couple other guys we know they like. They're either not in the thick of it or those kids have decided. So it's not a position where I feel like they took this kid and now they're just walking away from this viable option or that viable op- option. If Jaleel Skinner wants to come in, yeah, he's got a spot. Right. going to say, no, he's a plus one type kid. And we'll see how Peterson plays on. They may take more than one tight end. They like using the position. They like different type of bodies and skill levels at the position. But ultimately, like I'm not losing sleep over a tight end commitment, especially one that they want. And in this case, no. they seem to want the kid. I think from, from that point of view, right. I, I completely agree with it. And I don't think this is necessarily a bad take for FSU. What I can see fans getting nervous over is the fact that are we going to take a bunch of kids like this? Mm-hmm. Because over time, you're not reinventing the wheel at Florida State. Time has proven again and again and again at Florida State that that stars win championships. Every recruiting class that has won a championship signed elite players that everybody in the country wanted. So if you're going to take a guy like this on a flyer and it's one or two scholarships, that's cool. I think fans might be getting nervous thinking that Mike Norvell might feel that he can fill out the roster this way. And that's just not the case. I've used a football metaphor or NFL metaphor in my mind. Of course, it's a football metaphor because it's a football podcast. But NFL metaphor in my mind, if, if this is the NFL draft, if this is your seventh round pick, like you're completely cool with that. Like this is your last mm-hmm. bit of collateral. It's a low risk, high reward, like roster spot. I mean, this, uh, uh, Brian Courtney is going to help you on special teams. He has upside to be an intriguing player on offense. They could do a couple different things. Now, if it's a third or fourth round pick, Josh, I think that's what you're getting at, right? Like if this is a guy who's, who's high collateral, a valuable uh, asset that you're using and that, that changes mm-hmm. things a little bit. So, and yeah. recruiting's not linear. So you can't measure it like that. You can't say because FSU's taking him in, in March or April that they, they really love him more than other guys. It's just the way kind of recruiting goes. You don't get more points. If you take them early, you don't get less points. If you take them late. Um, I just, I can feel some fans being nervous that, Hey, maybe Mike Norvell thinks that, you know, he can find all these gems and win, but in reality, if FSU is going to turn the corner, they're going to do it on the backs of superstars. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a fair point. A couple footnotes on him. He's going to be ranked in 87, according to Brian Doan of two, four, seven, when they're able to rank him. Berg bump, Berg bump, baby. That will put him among <clears throat> the bottom two guys currently in the class, which is, I believe, uh, Mortimer and Hill. He would join that bunch as being a similar ranking. FSU's class is still top 10 in the nation, number one in the ACC. Average star ranking is just under a 92, which is a solid four-star. And to Josh's point, I think this class is going to be more about blue-chip value than finding diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Cool. Big picture, too, taking a step back, and we'll move to the other good news. Uh, you go ahead, and you a day later, FSU gets a commitment 
from class of 2023, tight end prospect Randy Pittman from Lynn Haven, which is in the uh, Panama City area. He's not ranked currently, but his offer list is pretty good. He had offers from additionally with FSU, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, <clears throat> FAU. Uh, good looking film. Zach, I'm going to throw this to you because you got up with, with Randy Pittman. He's a tight end that, that to me presents like high end, like four star upside. Uh, but what did Randy tell you about the commitment and the decision to pull the trigger today uh, to commit to FSU? Yeah, so he, he's been talks, he's been in talks with Florida State coaches for quite some time now. He told them in December that his plan was when the when the dead period was set to end on April 15th, before they extended it to June 1st, he was going to go and take a visit on April 16th, which is today, and he was going to make his commitment to Florida State. Um, obviously, they extended the dead period, so that visit couldn't happen, but he just stuck, he, he said he just uh, stuck with the date and announced this morning that he, he's, he's committed to Florida State. He says, Coach Woodson, um, assistant or offensive line assistant, uh, Cooper Williams and Norvell and, and other other coaches were involved in, in landing his his pledge. But but yeah, like you said, he, he's got high upside at the tight end position. Um, his, his tape looks really good. And obviously you can get a full scouting report on those 24-7 from Brendan himself. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the play. Uh, Chris, I, I was a fan of of the film very much. So I like the flex tight end position. It intrigues me to me. This is a guy who has basketball skills, brings it to the gridiron. Uh, what do you think of, of the take and, and Randy Pittman's skill set? He's a kid that's been on the radar since he was in middle school um, over in the Mosley area, Lynn Haven, Lynn Haven, Florida area. He he's talented. He's a big body athlete. He's a jumbo athlete. I think both of the kids they took him and Brian Christopher, both guys you can describe as jumbo athletes. And, if they're big and they're physical, usually can find some value out of them. I like Pittman. You know, I've known of him for a couple of years. He's a guy that Florida was hot and heavy with very early on. I think his first ever offer was Florida. Florida's messed some things up at that school with taking a kid and then dropping him kind of cold. I'm sure that didn't hurt FSU's cause with Randy Pittman. Um, but yeah, some thought he might be a running back when he was coming up through the ranks and he kind of became a flex receiver slash big body tight end. I think that's where he ended up settling most likely, but his body's still very much in development, but a strong physical kid gets on the field effectively and catches it well enough. So if you want to be a flex, big body tight end, you can probably also end up growing into being a capable inline blocker. He's probably that for you. I don't think it's a bad take by any stretch and he's a talented kid. I I'm kind of looking forward to seeing him in person again, because I haven't seen him since pre pandemic and I'm sure he's grown an inch or two and probably gotten a little bit bigger, thicker, in that time too, but he was a talented kid when I first ever saw him. I think it's a safe pick from that regard, Chris, because you mentioned he's still growing, got good hands, good baseline of skills, can play different couple positions and really productive too. He has a thousand receiving yards his first two years playing prep football since he was a freshman. He plays basketball too. He's pretty good basketball player. I think he's like a double, double guy. So yeah, I, I think it's a good safe take. He's regional. So you can keep him uh, if you really want to keep holding on to him and, and, and other schools come knocking. I like it. People associated with him, a uh, former high school coach who I believe has now left that program, and uh, people tied to the record breakers, they all vouch for him too. They speak highly of him. So yeah, that's a, another positive sign in the sense of a kid that you believe you can grow with. Okay, sticking with the 2023 class, uh, not as good a news. Cedric Baxter, four-star running back from Orlando Edgewater High School. So it's a pretty good program down in the 407. Uh, I think Cedric Baxter was the first 
guy in the 2023 class, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, he, he's no longer in the class, regardless. Uh, he decommitted. Newberg, uh, you got the story up on Cedric Baxter. So I'm going to throw this to you. Uh, basically, what do we think happened here? And, and is FSU still in play for him? Or is this kind of a, a move on for good for both sides kind of deal? Uh, there's two commit two decommitments in the last 24 hours. Cedric Baxter and Quincy McAdoo. I'd say one was a mutual separation and the other probably not so much. Uh, Cedric Baxter out of Edgewater, Orlando is a 6'1", 215-pound running back. That Florida State liked a good bit. Now, I don't think that you know, anybody's going to lose over any sleep over this. FSU's in a good spot for Richard Young right now. They got some really talented running backs in the 23 class that they're after. But I do think if Cedric Baxter you know, wanted back in down the road and, and, and showed it that, he, that he wants to be seminal, I think they would take him back. Um, like I said, measurables of 6'1", 215 could potentially play linebacker. He's a heck of an athlete. I saw him compete against IMG Academy. He kind of did it all, never left the field for Edgewater. Um, a bit of a surprise. Eh, I mean, but his like absence at the spring game and, and some other thing, you know, he, he, he didn't come to any of the spring scrimmages. I, maybe the writing was on the wall a little bit. But um, he wasn't necessarily a guy like Quincy McAdoo, who had been slipping in the rankings. Um, that maybe FSU wasn't so disappointed in parting ways with. To add on Baxter, he committed July of last year, July 29th, I believe it was. And he's a kid that has tweeted probably a half dozen times over that time since that commitment that my recruitment's still up and yeah. yada, yada, so on and so forth. Clearly a kid that wants to be recruited, wants to deal with the process. So it's truthfully probably better off for FSU that he has backed off and he's open to it. We will see if FSU still continues to pursue, if that relationship continues on. We've seen with the staff that when a kid parts ways, it doesn't mean always the end of a relationship. One of the best receivers in the spring is such an example, Malik McLean. So we'll see if that continues on. Quincy McAdoo is probably going to end up staying in state, going to Arkansas more than likely. Uh, you know, I think mutually it was beneficial for the kid. It's pretty clear that he wanted to go there. There's a lot of receivers, even though it's not a great year in the state for a receiver. There's a lot of receivers out there. So FSU, uh, it's more about them finding two or three. That's really going to help them. So McAdoo wasn't going to end up here in the end. So the fact that it's done uh, with decommitments, I'm always for just get out of the way. If it's going to eventually happen, just go ahead and do it. So both parties can move on, figure out what's best for them. And let's do that. In Baxter's case, it's a kid that probably committed way too early. And I liked McAdoo's film. Uh, to your point, Chris, like normally it wouldn't be a huge deal though, because it's state of Florida. You can usually shake a tree, find a, a, comparable wide receiver than someone who's out of state and, and even kind of out of region. Uh, this year's just not a super, super uh, deep class for the 2022 uh, wide receivers in Florida. So that's the only cause for concern. We'll see what they end up coming up with there. Obviously. Well, Josh, I'll throw this to you. Uh, what does the wide receiver board look like now? You wrote about that on Noles 24 seven people can check it out. Uh, where do they go from here? Florida state has one wide receiver committed. That's Fort Lauderdale three-star Devon Mortimer, who we've talked a good bit about on the, on the podcast and on the site, but they'd probably like to add at least one, probably two more um, top target being five-star Kevin Coleman. He, we talked a lot about him. He's the number two ranked receiver in the country. He was maybe rumored to come in for the spring game. That didn't work out. We expect him on campus this summer. Caden Saunders is one that FSU is trying to flip from Penn State. He committed there last July, and FSU really never slowed their recruitment of Saunders. And he's still being he's still talking to FSU regularly. So we'll see. I know Notre Dame's also involved there. 
Um, we spoke a little bit about Jaleel Skinner. He's a potential tight end flex wide receiver type prospect that FSU likes a lot out of South Carolina. Um, and then you got Jaden Gibson. I think Jaden Gibson's one of the more intriguing names remaining on the board, even though he's only a three star, he's out of winter garden, Florida. He's six foot six and 185, 190 pounds. Um, he has a ton of offers. I know UF's also involved with him. I think he might be taking an official there in June, but I think FSU turns the heat up on him. Um, got a couple more names up there on Knowles 24 seven. Greg Gaines is a player from Tampa Bay tech high school that we saw up um, in Tallahassee watching the King of the spring, Treshawn Ward run wild at the spring game. So maybe FSU could get in on Greg Gaines. They got options. They got options at, at wide receiver. Um, Chris, Trishon, anybody Trishon, stand out? Well, Treshawn Ward played at Tampa Bay tech just for the listeners to connect the dots. Who didn't know? After <laughs> read my story on it. Uh, I love you too. What were you asking me, Josh? I don't know, Chris. Who, who are we taking a wide receiver? But, I mean, Kevin Coleman's the crown jewel. He's the one that they want, that they love, mm-hmm. that they've been after. And Travis Hunter's working hard there. I wonder if he talks to you guys about that. Maybe he does, or maybe he doesn't. But uh, now Coleman's super talented. You know, kid that can do a bit of everything. He's definitely the type of receiver that would j- drastically change that room overnight. He'd be arguably the most talented kid entering that room. Yeah, Florida State needs guys that can make you miss. I think with Quincy McAdoo, they had more of what you know. They have more of what they already have on the roster. Quincy McAdoo, six foot two, one hundred and seventy five pounds, not exactly a blazer, and I think that's what this roster needs most. Another thing about McAdoo, and I remember this from when he committed, was that I guess his competition is not very good, or at least it's not viewed as very good. So it's very tough knowing who and what he is. And I believe he has not done a lot of stuff. He may have done one of the Under Armour events, but there just hasn't been a lot to go off of. So, you know, that's not one where evaluation need to continue with the young man. The headline well, so should have the, the headline I just thought of the headline that should have been when he decommitted, should have been McAdoo, more like McAdoo. All right. FSU announced earlier this week a football-only facility renderings for it, a plan. Uh, there is uh, information. There's details. So this is not the first time we've heard this, right, fellas? So yeah, I understand some skepticism, but this time it feels very real. They've already raised about – let's see, I'm pulling up my notes here. They've I think already, it was $40 million that they have in the bank, and they have $100 million pledged. And the hundred million pledges from the unconquered campaign in general, which they've, they've hit that goal, uh, that 43 million in the bank has already been raised through the unconquered campaign. Now that football only facility, and we'll get into the details of what that looks like, what that will include in a second here. But my understanding is that that's going to be about $60 million total, maybe a little bit more when it's all said and done. So if that 43 million is going almost entirely to it, I, I'm not entirely sure on, I need to have a good chunk of it kind of, ready to go so you can start moving forward with it here uh the renderings came out i thought it looked pretty sweet chris do you want to kind of explain to the people uh, before we get to your thoughts on it more so just like where it's going to be what it's going to entail what it's going to look like well if you take the current ipf and you basically turn it into an open face magnet directed towards the baseball stadium it's like you're adding an l so you're going from the actual entrance to the ipf along that skinny parking lot you're coming down straight down the practice field. So on the outside of the second practice field closest to the road. And then there's a little bit of an L shaped outlet going towards the baseball stadium towards the uh, half moon U shaped upside down U entrance to the practice fields, the famous entrance to the practice field. So it's kind of that. 
So and it, it will, it'll cut off part of the practice field. Yes, right? it will gobble roughly 30 yards of that second field. So it'll have two full fields, one in the IPF, one outside, and then one that's roughly 70 yards. Oh, a, a whole hundred yard indoor practice facility. What a cool concept that is, huh, Miami? Uh, well, Sonone's being snarky. I'll add some of the stuff that they're expecting to be in it. A dedicated football training facility attached to the existing Al Dunlap Training Center. 13 position meeting rooms, indoor walkthrough meeting area adjacent to position meeting rooms. So that's an area for some indoor walkthrough stuff that they do in the IPF now. Obviously a full locker room, dedicated recruiting lounge and suite offices for football coaching staff. Now I'm interested, and I don't know definitive answer on this, but I presume the answer is yes, that I presume they're going to keep their offices in the football stadium because that view into the stadium is pretty tough to beat. Now, a lot of more is going to be redone, refinished. They mentioned in the release pertaining to the football-only facility that the more athletic center renovation plans will more than double the current square footage that house the academic support unit, as well as the dining areas and primary sports medicine and strength and conditioning facilities for 20 other FSU sports. So the more is still going to be very much like the more is. It's just not going to be as football present. Football is going to obviously move over to the standalone facility. The facility is also going to include stuff like, you know, support staff offices. I think they'll you know be much nicer than what they currently have. Those guys are kind of crammed in some offices right now, especially people in like the video department, people that mm-hmm. do other things. Um, private event space, a uh, little bit more in the sense of the what they're going to offer from a strength and conditioning standpoint. Walkthrough recovery pools, custom hot cold plunge pools, under, underwater treadmills. Uh, recovery suite cryotherapy which is a big thing obviously hyperbaric chamber high altitude room and then team meeting rooms development areas nutrition fueling stations coaches video and production offices so it's going to be what's the total square footage i, I don't recall it is 15 uh, 150,000 is it 150 feet? yeah yeah i'm pulling it up it's massive sure. so you know I, i'm sure there's some more nitty-gritty to what they're going to unveil within it but the general idea of what they're showing i think it's satisfactory and you know, when we spoke to Mike Alford about this, when we had him on the pod a while back, he, he was very upfront that when they're doing facilities and they're doing construction, they're doing these massive fundraising projects, things that cost a great deal of money. They're not building it for the present. They want it to be worthwhile for many, many years to come and be something that's ahead of its time. So I think that's a positive. I like the renderings personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it funny that somebody said they look like really high-end horse stables. That humored <laughs> me. I don't know why. But, yeah, I, I think it will work. I'm glad that they're making an effort to do it at a higher level because the other one, the pencil one that had kind of the outlet seemed kind of rushed and yeah. like it wasn't going to. It seemed like something that they would finish construction. It would already be, you know, outdated. And which, is, which is something that Mike Alford and just the boosters can't afford, didn't want to do. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it, it looked good. Yeah, the little skinny one that was just to the uh, to the side by, what was it, by stadium. Um, yeah. Yeah, just it, that never really. It's funny just adding that that kind of U shape or that that you refer to it, Chris, as a magnet kind of brings it all together uh, where it seems to make sense. It looks good. It's very meat and potatoes, not in a bad way. Uh, there's not like the the bells and whistles of like a slide or uh, I don't know what else, a lazy river or anything else like that. But it, it's going to be very oriented to housing football players and and getting them you know healthy getting them on the field, keeping them in this area, learning, teaching about football, virtual reality is going to be something else that they have there. So yeah, it's very football specific, very professional, I guess, in that regard. Uh, I think Florida state nailed it. 
I don't know. It looks good to me. I'm, I'm cool with it. Any other thoughts on that guys? Nope. All right. One other aspect that's been kind of coming out of Florida state's athletic department recently. And another thing that I think they, they nailed and did a really good job with the rollout of uh, in general, that, that's got me excited. I think has the fan base excited. Uh, that's the apex and NIL program that's name image likeness. Now in July coming up here in July, uh, Florida is basically going to be on board with the NIL program. Uh, it's going to essentially uh, allow student athletes, quote unquote, but, at, but athletes uh, at, at universities to make money off of their name image likeness. And this has obviously been something that's been talked about since like that O'Bannon lawsuit. And it's been the reason why we don't have uh, NCAA football video game anymore. All that's coming back soon. So, uh, Basically, it's going to allow people to make players to make money off of off their name and image, uh, which is seems reasonable. Uh, and Chris, I'm going to throw this to you. So what, what is Florida State doing to kind of help uh, make this beneficial for the students, make it beneficial for Florida State? And they're, and they're using it as a, a selling point, as a recruiting tool, which I think is genius. Well, it includes a new partnership with a company called Influencer. And I actually noticed Influencer last night doing a lot of stuff with WNBA draft in the sense of, talking about the individuals being drafted and kind of their online pool and their ability to drive content to people and just an audience that they have at their disposal. So I found that kind of interesting, but from the release, the new partnership with influence will prepare seminal student athletes for the intercollegiate athlete compensation and rights bill that takes effect July 1st in Florida. And it provides structured support through their entire FSU playing groups. That's obviously nice PR words, but Influencer really is an industry-leading content creation software platform that works with a lot of teams, 800 teams and more than 30,000 student-athletes or athletes, not just student-athletes. And um, it will just basically allow them to better build their brand. But some of the great stuff that FSU has done with this, and they did, in my opinion, an outstanding job of not only having a great plan and executing said plan, but then sharing the message of the plan. The the messaging with every coach speaking about it on campus with their own personalized edits that they were able to use on all social media platforms, that video, which they did, which was absolutely exceptional about 76 seconds. And it, I thought just freaking nailed it. I thought it was awesome. Gets you pumped up. I think it's awesome for a student athlete. I think it's awesome for a crew. It, it sells it a great deal. And then David Coburn's appearance on Packer and Durham, for example, I thought was very good where he said, we're going to follow the letter of the law, the state law with the launching of this. Cause one of the great unknowns about the NIL situation is currently really it's governed by States. So the state of Florida, state of California, some others have come along with this idea. For example, North Carolina, to my knowledge, doesn't have anything on the state book. So UNC announced something this week, but theirs was almost tailored more to guys who have been there previously more so than the current because they don't know the parameters of what they can do with their current student athlete. FSU is going to do it based on what the state law says. Now they may have to pivot and change depending on if Congress does something, if the NCAA comes up with a specific line of thought on this, there has to be a lot of legislation here, but I feel like FSU is well ahead of it. Having the partnership with Jim Moran business school, having courses that will work towards better informing the student athlete on what they can, cannot do, how they can go about doing this, how they can turn themselves into a brand. We've heard the word brand used in recruiting for half a dozen years now, but we're getting to the point where it's a money creation potential business. And FSU is leaning into that fully, which is smart. 
because everybody's going to at some point. FSU is not first on this. There's other examples. For example, Texas has what's called a leverage program. USC has what's called Boulevard Street, I believe it is, or I'm sorry, Boulevard Studios. These are similar ideas. And it's interesting in studying them and looking at them that everybody has kind of a different take on what to do. At some point, that will get a little bit more narrow, presuming on legislation. But I feel like Coburn, uh, the athletic department, compliance, because they're a big part in this, they have an excellent, we're together on how we're doing this. We're able to launch it and we're able to go. And it's a great selling point. We've already seen it used in recruit edits, which Zach brought to the website, for example. Mm-hmm. We've seen the video, which is a great selling point. It's something they've really already been doing with their student athletes in the sense of teaching them financial literacy, talking about how to do branding, how to do things, and also pushing guys, for example, like Cam McDonald does a lot in community. They push some of what he does. They, they're willing to give him a platform to talk about it. So we've seen FSU already be comfortable with this. This is just a great organization plan, the Apex idea with uh, influencer to go ahead and do it. And, and one of the big selling points or one of the big focal points to me, Chris, is so FSU has beefed up, and we've seen the last year or so under Norvell, like it's football program, the pictures that they're taking, they're taking some really high quality pictures and video. Football players, for example, will have access to those pictures and video and would be able to use that, I guess, for for like, what do we say, advertisements or basically however they want to use it and benefit off of See, it. See, I think that. what you guys are saying is kind of general, and I agree that kind of helps people's brand, right? Like better photos helps your brand. FSU putting out better videos helps your brand. But like as a student athlete, how do you make money? Ability well, to monetize those is what we're talking about, I think. And so, yeah, I guess how don't do make you make money off of a photo? Well, if like, you sell it to a business, a business has to wants to use if Amari Gaynor's photo, if Toyota Legacy, you know, where his dad works, wants to use his photo, can they use it now and say, uh, here, here's an example I was given. For example, Sam Ellinger at Texas obviously had a great deal of social media following. Sam Ellinger drinking the drink of choice at Texas, let's say it's Powerade or Gatorade. Photo of him drinking that with the company tagged on it, Texas tagged on the kid. He would get a certain amount of that money because he's part of that. For example, at FSU, Dana Castellanos, former soccer player, had an immense amount of, I believe it was Instagram followers in the millions. I mean, she's an international superstar and she's a future soccer. Great. Most mm-hmm. likely she could do something that would allow her to do that. This isn't something where every student athlete's going right, to go and make a ton of money, but, but there, there is examples. a way to do it. Chris, you're talking about using your likeness as a means to make money. And you're talking about the top 1% of the 1% on the team. Right. So and what if, what if there was a way for the bottom 10% of the team to make money here's and here's what they could do. And I see this being a gigantic headache for, for programs and for these, these things moving forward, say a guy like uh, a Cam McDonald who probably doesn't have much presence, you know, being used as like a car sales spokesman, but say Cam McDonald, who's well-liked in the locker room and, 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 and all that um, he creates a podcast and he puts out a podcast every Sunday critiquing the team uh, talking about, you know, the game and breaking it all down. And now Cam McDonald is selling advertisements on, on his podcast is the university now going to be as helpful in getting these guys um, branded and out there as they were with just licensing photos? Because now you, now do you censor these podcasts? Do you, do you have to, if a kid wants to start a football player wants to start a podcast each week on religion or something, 
Well, I think there's going to be eventually do's and don'ts about this based on what decisions are made by the NCA, what decisions are made by different states, what decisions are made by Congress. So we're dancing in the dark to some mm-hmm. degree right now with what is and is not allowed. FSU is going to stick hard to the state law for now. They're going to ride with the state law. Coburn made that abundantly clear in his appearance on Packer and Durham. So I, I think FSU is going to try to provide as much guidance to the student-athletes to allow them to do what they would like to do and what's allowed to be done and what compliance is good with them doing and go from there. And I think they'll give them wiggle room with, within that. But I, I think there's an extent to what is going to be allowed and what is going to be viewed as you probably can't do that or shouldn't do that at this point in time because, well, truthfully, there's not enough on the books for us to know if that is certainly allowed across all premiums in the sense of retaining your eligibility as a student athlete. This is why getting ahead of it, Josh, I think is important is because you're creating, like Chris said, parameters and boundaries uh, at the get-go Florida State is doing in some of these other programs. Like, like yeah, you can be a part of making the new rules. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Whereas if you don't have rules and it's the Wild West, then all of a sudden, uh, basically you're, you're giving some leeway right now and creating the, the boundaries. And, and so you don't have to, like the idea for someone to start a podcast may not even be something they're thinking of because there's already a window that they're thinking, okay, I got to try to make money this way. You know what I mean? I've been told by coaches potentially inside the Moore center right now that um, the podcast thing is ready to go as soon as this thing is launched by some players within the locker room. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So we have competition. Well, go ahead. Everyone give them all one. I just find it like, I just feel like these schools want to do this until they have to start censoring some of the content. I I don't know that they want to do it. I think they understand they have to do it. FSU is being smart. This is being used as a recruiting tool. They're leaning into it, and they're going to figure it out along the way, along with everybody Mm -hmm. else. But FSU is not being one of these, get off my yard, we're not doing that, I hate this law, I hope Congress comes down on it. They're not being that. They're being the opposite of, this is eventually coming. We're at a pivot point of college athletics. A lot is changing. We had a recent court case that hasn't been decided with Supreme Court. That's going to have some influence on this. We have name image likeness. We obviously have just gone through a financial crisis for college athletics because of the lack of fans and the fact that nobody in college athletics ever plans for a rainy day. So things are changing and they're changing fast. And I think mm-hmm. FSU is showing that they're willing to change with it. But I don't think FSU is just going to allow anything and everything. I think FSU is trying to provide a structure of support and education to it while showing student athletes that, yes, we support this idea. You know, we've had a guy like primetime. We've had these top NFL, NBA, MLB draft picks, other sports. We've had superstars at Dana Castellanos of the world, for example. Letitia Romero for women's basketball was an international type who had a great deal of popularity. We have these types. So we're supporting this idea, but we're going to do it together. And I think there's still a whole lot of we're going to learn. We always think Armageddon is coming for college athletics. Like every time something changes or something new, Transfer Portal has brought along a lot of doomsday scenarios. We usually learn that in a you know period of a few years, some time, balance comes with it. You know, the, the portal right now is out of freaking control. Basketball rosters, for example, are being completely flipped everywhere. But in two, three years, I don't think that's going to be the case because a lot of kids are leaving rosters. And they're going to quickly realize they don't have a place to go. They don't have right. a place You're to go. You're seeing that in football. So that's going to bring some restrictions, some kids understanding this isn't for me to it all. And 
I think with time, all of this stuff will figure itself out. I think it's just good that FSU won. They did a great job of launching it, which a few years ago is something that I would have doubted they would be able to execute at a high level. And they certainly did across all parts of the brand, whether it was the AD, the departments that release graphics and do that stuff, or the individual coaches, the individual programs, the individual people that were involved. They did a really good job. It was all together. Very impressed by that. But I think more than anything, this shows that FSU's kind of they're trying to be ahead on stuff instead of playing catch up no i agree and i think it's great that they're ahead and it's 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 inevitable like you said and i'm all for this i just when i read it i see them speaking to one or two players on the roster but i don't i'm not sure they're taking into account what the other 85 players are going to do because that that sounds great prime time and but remember that's like one guy on yeah. the roster that has that capabilities of, of garnering that type. Now, what are the other 85 players going to do? Cause they're well, going like, to want to get theirs too. Somebody was talking to me about, it and they're like, you know, Jamarcus Chapman apparently is fairly popular on TikTok. Apparently I didn't know that I'm not on TikTok. I'm old. Sorry. I'm born, <laughs> but apparently he is. Mm-hmm. And you know, somebody was like, would he be able to make money off that? I don't know. I legitimately am not sure how that would work, but you know, that that's what we're treading it. Like that's a kid who obviously in his time here did not contribute then left. Right. Mm -hmm. But if he was still here and he was not going to contribute in the next two years, but he still had that, is there some way for him within the parameters of what they're trying to do here for him to earn money? Start a podcast. I don't know. It will be interesting, but, but like, think about that, that too. Like, so if say one of the dozens of Florida state podcasts that aren't like associated with like quote unquote credential media want to, pay a football player a hundred dollars a month to be a guest. Like, you know, cause, cause NFL athletes are paid by uh, radio stations right. for, so, so someone can do that and a player can make money off of it and be entertaining and give inside information or whatever. Does FSU allow that? Uh, that's probably allowed through NCAA, but if say on the bench wanted to pay a player to come and, and be a monthly guest, that probably wouldn't be allowed because hell we couldn't even FSU said we couldn't be the coaches on the sideline for the spring game because we, oh God, I got uh, Brendan all worked up. Coming forward, oh. <laughs> but, but my point being is that there's going to create some interesting lines yes. and that's Josh. That's what Josh is saying. So it's, it is going to be, I'm intrigued by it. I was just trying to think of this scenario of like, okay, could we get someone on the pod? I'm immediately start trying to think of content. And my brain was like, no, I don't know if FSU would, uh, whether that be an NCAA violation because would that be like an impermissible benefit? I, I don't know. Or giving them some sort of advantage because uh, through a credential media outlet. But if they're smart, you know, you get a sixth year DB that's not playing a whole lot, him and another guy on the team. Yeah, you got a kicker and a punter. They, Sunday morning. Kicker and punters watch everything. They do very little and they watch everything. That's the old Chris Hall rule from back in the day. I remember Chris Hall so, would know everything that happened in practice because he only practiced so much so he was able to watch a lot. Of right. Practice. But then, then uh, if you're Mike Norvell, do you let that in theory, like, are you, you cool with that? It, I would imagine probably it's not. It's all got to be figured out. I yeah, mean, right. Dan Murphy from ESPN does a great job covering NIL stuff. He's been doing it for some time. He was on, uh, I think I saw him on Packer and Durham, in fact, and I think I've also seen him on outside the lines talking about it, but he does a phenomenal job. He, he, He's by far one of those people that he lives it on a daily basis. And he even talks about how much of it is just unknown at this point. So, you know, as these schools, FSU, Texas, USC, others, UNC, for example, are releasing different programs, I would view that as like the baseline. And there's so much to be figured out about what's going to be allowed, what's not going to be allowed, and what how this is all going to be structured. And truthfully, the NCAA and or Congress need to provide 
a national scope of how this is going to be allowed. Because if it's a state by state basis, it's going to get real, real interesting because there's going to be a feeling of a lot of schools having advantages versus others having disadvantages. We spent a lot more time on this than I thought we would. But this was it's an interesting, interesting. subject, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's in the infancy of it all. Brandon Marcello for us has written about it too. You know, give Brandon a shout because I know he wrote about NIL stuff here recently before FSU announced their deal. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like FSU has positioned themselves very well to handle this and do it in a manner that's positive for them and make student athletes happy and want to come to FSU, which is ultimately what you want. Chris, do you want to talk to us about Balsa going bye-bye? Yeah, Balsa Copervis decided to enter the NBA draft. I'd describe him as a long shot to be drafted at this point, but he could also play overseas easily. Serbian big man obviously has some opportunities there. Game a little bit tailored to Europe if the outside shot improves. Um, it's a, it, it's, I don't want to call it damaging, but it it's certainly something that brings down the optimism pertaining to next season. But as I mentioned when we were talking about, you know, the Armageddon scenarios of college athletics. Right now, college basketball teams are just rosters are flipping entirely. It, it's nuts to think how little of FSU's roster next season is likely going to be guys from last season. You know, Anthony Polite's going to be one, but there's not going to be a whole hell of a lot of them. FSU's adding four, you know, high score Juco kids currently. Efton Reed, who was mentioned earlier in the pod, is another kid they're trying to add. They're in the portal pursuing hard. They're probably going to add at least two to three more kids overall, if not four. Um, yeah, it's just – it's kind of wild. Balsa, you know, middle of the year when he was playing really high-level basketball, had a couple double-doubles, playing at a pretty good level. There was some concern that, yeah, maybe the jump happens a year before expected. I think people have largely around these parts expected one more year and then the jump would probably be there for him. He took a huge leap from year one to year two with FSU. I think it would have been advantageous for him to come back. I think he's a guy that would have been a focal point of their team next year. But sometimes you don't want to go to school and you want to go get paid. And, you know, it is what it is. But they've lost him. Scotty Barnes, Raekwon Gray, Sergio Cahoon is in the uh, consideration of the NBA draft. May or may not come back to be determined. Nate Jackson, the portal. So, you know, good bit of talent leaving. MJ Walker's a guy that I still expected to part, even though he could use his super senior year. Raekwon Evans is somewhat undetermined at this point. Tenorin Gomes expected back. He's a senior that can use an additional year. Anthony Polite that we mentioned, White Wilkes, there's a couple others coming back. But it's going to be a lot about fresh faces in next year. But I think that's going to be the case largely in college basketball. I mean, it's nuts. You know, the micro view, people are like, oh, what's going on with FSU? But Virginia is having a similar scenario. Kansas has had a great deal of players enter it. We're at almost 1,400 players in a portal. I think 300 from the Power Six conferences in college basketball. So, it's just sort of what it is this offseason. Nobody wants to stay anywhere. Everybody thinks they can go in the NBA draft, even though 60 guys are drafted and the rest will be left in the cold. It's going to be interesting to watch it play out. I want to move to Byer Sinone here. But first, Josh, are you watching the stock market right now? Yeah, baby. Cloak to the moon. <laughs> I'm selling some of that crappy stock right no, now. No, you're not. Don't yeah, no, a little bit. And then I'll buy – no, I'm going to sell just a little bit because I'm in way too, too deep. And then I'm going to go into uh, – Dog coin. Up on known dog coin. And UAMY, you said you were going to slap me in the face. I'll slap you in the face. You know what's happening right now? Buyer Sinone. Let's go. Up 1%. All right. So I have some, Josh, because I prepared them because I didn't trust you. Uh, My bad. Let's just go one for one. That's what I'm saying. Let's go back and forth. If your questions are better, we don't have to ever do Buyer Sinone again. If mine are better, we got to do it all the time. 
stakes have never been higher. Just kidding. We're going to always do buyers to know. Uh, I'll start. Buyers to known, fellas. Josh being dead wrong about his criticisms of Andy Staples and Andre Adelson coaching the spring game. I, I'm buying him being dead wrong because it was a smashing success. Christopher? Also known it, just to be different. Um, you, you said it was a good idea a week ago. No, I said it worked out fine. I, I didn't love the idea originally when they did it. I thought there were other opportunities available that would have been better, namely former players. But Execution. that's about all I got to say on that. Byer Sinone. I, I agree with Christopher. Sinone um, in it. Yeah. Play Oh, my God. I like when we hurt Sinone's feelings. I, was like, I feel like you're just doing it just to do it. It's like the time that No, that's, no, but no. I, I do enjoy that. That's the, uh, that's the outcome. This is like the time that Zach agreed with me about the horse's butt and then disagreed after he found out <laughs> that you guys were disagreeing too. Dude, I didn't sure. know what you were talking about. <laughs> Josh? Uh, I, I agree with Josh. I'm going to sit on this. Okay. Your turn. I hate, <laughs> I hate you guys. All right. Buyer Sinone. The buyer Sinone segment went from fun to nerve wracking for you. And this is the last time we'll do it. Sinone. It's not the last time we'll do it. The other stuff's probably accurate. I'm going to Sinone because I think Brendan is more stubborn than you are, Josh. So I think he'll win in the end. Well, here's the thing. I can tell where it went south. Like after the first time we ever did it it was a smashing success everybody loved it on the message boards but then brendan stopped believing in himself that he could do it he starts turning it over to the message board he start i start noticing that like he only wrote buyer sonone one time after that he pawned it off on the message board because well, it was too much for him to live up to every week i don't no, uh, really, I wanted them to get involved with it, and they seemed to enjoy it and thought it'd be a fun instead of so I did. They outsource. don't get it. No, so that's part of the issue. Is there? I mean, there's buyers known questions that aren't even resulting in a buyers known answer, uh, which is kind of funny too. But um, yeah, yeah, you're not turning me into the bad guy. You were the uh, one who was mean to them last week, and they turned on you, Josh. Right, I'm well, trying to I'm say to you're not all right. You're come on. You got the next question. Okay. I've actually, I've got a buyer Sinone. Oh my god! Oh you buyer Sinone to Mega Camp as a good idea for Florida State. That was one of my questions. You, well, oh my I'm god. sorry, I'm just here for yeah. it. Off top, Chris of head. got it. Chris got it. Buyer Sinone um, satellite. I, so Jimbo was adamantly opposed to satellite camps, especially in the state. Right? Mike Norvell is a fan of satellite camps. Well, Jimbo was opposed to the idea of FSU being needing to do such a thing because FSU stood on its own. And I think it's fair to say for <laughs> several years Fisher was here. Yes, they did stand on their own. Yeah. They're not standing on their own right now. I am buying it for this year. One, it's something that Mike Norvell likes to do. He has experience with, so stick to your comfort zone. Two, to Chris's point, uh, anything you can do to attract as many players as possible. So this, this is going to be June 6. There are going to be coaches from UCF, USF, FAMU, Troy. Uh, and relationship building with high school coaches and you're getting no I'm not you're, the whole picture is you're getting all these coaches here so all these high school coaches then are going to come bring all their players so you're getting the ability to see the players you're getting to talk to coaches it is going to be a palooza of recruiting and it's a good it's, idea I'm buying it's it. more relationships and recruiting though for FSU. correct oh relationships and recruiting are synonymous don't try I'm buying I'm buying these 
Uh, Sinone's on edge. I like this. Let's push him. We got him. We got him right where we want him. All right. The reason why I'm buying this is because the mega camp is like a thank you. It's like extending an olive branch to high school coaches around the state of Florida. FSU is going to bring this traveling circus of camps to how many towns is it? You're talking about the under eighth grade, eighth grade and under. Uh, It's like a dozen or so. To a dozen different places. Palm Beach, Orlando, Tampa, Jacksonville, Tallahassee, so on and so forth. And they're going to be able to say to these high school coaches in the area, hey, we want you to bring all your kids. We might not be able to recruit any of your players, but we're bringing all these teams in from around the country, from lower levels, from higher levels, whatever. And they're going to – so this is like a thank you to to the high school coaches in the state of Florida. Um, for bringing their kids, getting them exposure. Meanwhile, FSU coaches are going to be able to stand on the sidelines and chop it up with them. And this is going to go into the relationship building for years to come. It's going to make up for lost time. FSU is going to be kind of like how they did the coaching socials before the pandemic hit when they were scrambling to meet up with coaches. This is going to be very similar to the coaching social. If you go into this Thinking about the prospects that are there, that's secondary. Yeah, if FSU can get some top prospects on campus at least some of these camps, they'll love it. It'll be great, but that's not necessarily the reason for these. Yeah, and you you may find a kid or two that, you know, Rashad Bateman, for example, from Tifton went to Minnesota. You have a camp here, a kid like that comes in because Minnesota's here. You see him, you love him. You know, maybe he's a kid that you go after a little bit more. Things like that may happen. But in general, this is about relationship building and you know, fostering relationships and also maybe getting some young kids in who you're going to recruit down the road. I don't think it's so much about 22 kids as it will be about future kids for FSU as far as that singular camp date. Okay. I got a buyer Sinone. Wait, Zach didn't say buyer Sinone. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I'll buy it. I think, I think the relationship building, like you said, is the most important part about the whole, the whole satellite camp setup. So great. If they can Zach. continue, if they can continue to build relationships with high school coaches, they can, start to even the playing the playing field in, in the state of Florida for sure. Buyer Sinone. But relationships, not recruiting, they're the same thing. Buyer Sinone. This one's really just directed at Chris. You'd rather sit on the bench for seven hours talking to a four-star defensive end than sit on Twitter waiting on Mama Bear to release a <laughs> Hell yes, I am buying that. Yes. Yeah, I... God, that stunk yesterday. I... <laughs> he the kid doesn't talk the mom doesn't talk the kid hasn't been at img lately so the coaches down there don't know there's not an aau coach to hit up and find out so it's all like dancing in the dark if i just knew a time and he delayed it i would have been fine but the fact right. that it was just sit and wait and sit and wait and he is a big time recruit too right oh huge especially post bullshit decision i mean it's one of those that would help them immensely but man that stunk i i literally i went to sleep like 7.30 and woke up and Cedric Baxter had decommitted and we knew Randy Pittman was committing. And I'm like, I should go to sleep more often because things actually happen when I'm asleep. That's Instead true. Seven hours I sat here and waited. Okay. I think we'd all buy, buy that one, right, fellas? We'd all rather have Chris sitting on the bench than sitting on Twitter? Chris, For yes. Sure. I would rather just be chilling on Twitter and being at my house, but Chris is a different breed. <laughs> He's a strange cat. Uh, buyers to know, Newton Newton's wife listening on the bench while in the shower. I'm buying. I, do I know Newton Knoll's wife? Is this like a trick question? No. Do I have a history with her from I don't back think to my I, time at Florida State? I don't, I don't know. I do not know. 
I'm imagining that Josh was all over the place at Florida State, though. I'm glad here. people enjoy us in all kinds of places and clothing levels. All kinds of weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Byer Sinone. Let's see. What, where am I at now? Um, Byer Sinone. Brian Courtney is a bigger out of left field take than Mike Myslinski. I don't know. You all remember Mike Muslinski? He was a desperation take by Willie Taggart. Um, well, looking uh, back at it, it was FAMU a desperation guard? take. But he was a three-star offensive lineman out of Pennsylvania that FSU offered. And that wasn't that, that was Muslinski. That was Alex Cabbage. Yeah, Muslinski's a Jacksonville center who. I you're right. Up Iowa you're right. You're right. I'm. I'm. I'm mixing up my interior. Can't trust Josh with buyers and own. It's abundantly clear. What was the, What was the Pennsylvania's kid's name? At Cabbage. Alex Atkavich. Alex Akavich. Yeah. Um. I mean. Alex Akavich. Wait. So. So we're saying. So buyers. So which is re ask it with the right name. All right. Please. All right. Byers and Brian Courtney is a bigger out of left field take than Alex Akavich was. I'm synoning it from the standpoint that this staff is actually excited to take Brian Courtney. Uh, there was no one on the staff who was excited to take Alex Akavich slash Mike Blinsky slash Frank Ragno slash any other white interior <laughs> offensive lineman that Josh wants to get confused. Ragno, I think was actually pretty good. Yeah. Ragno was a first round draft pick. <laughs> Maybe Alex Akavich will be too. He'll be the one who got away. Um, no, no one wanted to take, that was legitimately like the low point of, of the Willie Taggart era recruiting. They had to take him because they could not find anyone else at that time. Zach, you buying or Sononan? Yeah, I'm Sononan. Also because of the fact that um, they got, they took his commitment um, and they were planning on getting him to camp, but he never camped at FSU. He just committed and then never came down in June. So <laughs> He skated right would, around that camp. He said, yeah. sorry, not my commitment. And I, camp. and I love after all that, like there was like this, like, oh, we really don't want to take him and this frustration. And he ends up going to FAU anyways. Um just Willie Taggart era. Chris? Yeah, I'm Sinoning it. Sinoning it. Okay. Sinone's all across the board. Because at least, I mean, Brian Courtney, it, look, when he, when he was offered, um, they offered him as an athlete. Yeah. You know, like they knew they weren't taking him as a, as a QB. They liked him as, as what he brought to tight end or, or linebacker. Um, and I do think he will camp. I think this, this, uh, this staff has a different culture around it. Like I don't see them letting Brian Courtney skirt around that this is the last one for me uh unless i think of any more this is the last pre-planned one i have because chris stole one uh, and I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna start this no you're not i'm gonna throw this to josh first because you interact more with uh, opposing fan bases than, than than any of us do uh because of your extracurricular podcast buyer sinone opposing fan bases are starting to get a little anxious that magic mike might know what he's doing they don't want to see it they don't want to see us win um, yeah, no, I think, I think they're getting a little agitated. Mm-hmm. You know, they liked, I think opposing fan bases like the situation FSU is in for the last two years and they see them crawling out of that hole. Uh, the, the, it's not going to be a quick turnaround. So I think there's some jabs still to be had, you know, FSU is going to still have some up and ups and downs on the recruiting trail, but for, for the most part, yeah, they're shaking. I see them. So you're buying that you're buying I'm it. I'm owning it. I'm denoting it because there's a select few people on earth that are always going to care about the other, like regardless of good returns, bad returns. FSU won three games last year. Like we're not creeping up on anybody over here right now and about to steal trophies from them. Um, 
but it is humorous. Like every time there's a commitment, there's the, oh, let's diminish this guy. And every time there's a decommitment, there's C. And they said they had all the momentum in the world after that spring game. So that stuff always happens. But okay. that, I, I, whether FSU's winning 12, 13, 14 games or winning three games, I think those people are going to be sharing similar views with what they're saying. So I don't think it's a matter of like they're scared of Mike. I think it's just it's sort of their obsession, sadly. I think it's just arriving more on our doorstep more the last couple of weeks and even the last few days. I'm not sure what the reasoning is, why I'm noticing it more, but I'm noticing it more. So that, that's what's just got me uh, going with the buy. It's just, there seems to be like when FSU was really struggling in the last year of the Willie era or middle of, of last season, like we weren't hearing anything from the opposing fan bases. They didn't really care because they just, Mm-hmm. that Florida State was in a bad way. That's what I, more I'm saying, and that's where I agree with Josh. I, I think they're striking a little, looking over a little bit more, just kind of seeing what your neighbors are doing. Think, Josh, would you pick up a bobcat and throw it? <laughs> would I? Dude, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I would. Probably you want to just run that. from it? You want to pick, you would pick it up and throw it? You want to let I'd her take it inside herself? The, he wanted more too. He was like, oh, I'm going to shoot that effort. Like he wanted, <laughs> he, he wasn't done with it either. I just saw the video. I'm sorry. I'm bored over uh, here. Uh, I just, I, I got a good one for you then. Buyer Sinone. The football only facility will be built before FSU wins its next ACC championship. <laughs> I'll buy. I'll buy. I think it'll be done in what? Couple, a couple years and think FSU's at least. So you're saying the football only facility will be ready in 2023, 23, 24, somewhere now. 23, 24. Yeah. So FSU ACC championship won't come before 2025. No, it'll be, it'll be ready by 2024. FSU wins the ACC championship that year, just like how they did with the first year of the IPF. Uh, They won a national championship the first year of the IPF, right? Or was it, or was it, I think it was already in. Or was it 2012 that they had the IPF? I only got here in 2013. And I knew the IPF was new. Relying on you. What happened the year they changed their jerseys? I don't want to talk about that. I'm just here for them winning six or seven games next year. Like, I'm not getting that far ahead of myself, guys. Come on now. Okay. Byers Sinone. This is the last one I got. F- FSU Athletics balance sheet looks better than your stock portfolio, Brendan. Byers Sinone. Oh, God. Um, which, is, which is in better shape? I mean, it would have been a... It would have been a... It would have been a buy, but this closed stock, this closed <laughs> stock, sound very good. This closed stock taken off makes me give a little bit of a synonym. No, I mean FSU still got issues. They really need this season to happen. They want full capacity uh, for football games in 2021 for a reason. Uh, they they still need help. But my portfolio really sucks right now too. I just uh, none of it's good. All right, so you're buying it or synoning it? Hmm. I forgot the question. That was <laughs> I'll just say Sonone in it. All right. No, no wait. Buy it. No. You're buying the FSU athletics budget is in better shape than your stock portfolio. Yeah, it probably is. I hope so. As a as a proud FSU alum, I hope. Because I know what your stock board <laughs> stock portfolio looks like. I hope FSU is in better shape. All right, that's all I got. This was a blast. Okay, let's take a commercial break. And on the other side of it, Zachary and I will interview five-star recruit Travis Hunter, ask him a little bit about his plans to return to FSU, maybe ask him if he's going to get an FSU tattoo like Derwin James, uh, and kind of get into his relationship with, with Marcus Woodson, Mike Norvell, and the entire coaching staff. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back on the other side. Passion, drive, and patience. 
What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back to On the Bench. As promised, uh, the man of the hour, the number one cornerback in the country, arguably the number one wide receiver in the country too, and and making a strong case. He's currently ranked number three on 24 seven sports national rankings, but making a strong case to be the number one recruit in the entire nation, Travis Hunter, Travis, welcome to on the bench. First, thank you for joining us. Second, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Glad to hear it. So, uh, so yeah, we're, uh, we're happy to have you. Uh, thanks for doing this, Zachary. I'm going to throw this to you, let you kind of take the lead on this. And I will try to make this as uh, not awkward as possible. It's tough for me, but I'm going to try. Thank you, Brendan. That was a great introduction. Thank you. Um, so let's get straight into it, Travis. Everybody knows um, you've been a big fan, a Florida State fan for quite some time. Why were you such a big fan of FSU growing up? I was born into a family uh, FSU most of my family like FSU, so I just tagged along. I like the coaches here, the other families. So your recruitment kind of starts off, and a lot of these bigger schools are getting in the mix kind of in that, I think it was fall of 2019. And then that's when FSU, your dream school, jumps in the picture when they offer you uh, in November of, of that year. However, this is kind of a weird time um, for Florida State when they had interim head coach uh, Odell Hagens while the school was still searching for their next head coach after the last staff had, had left. What was your thought process during this entire thing? When you, when you get your dream school offer, but then you kind of realize they don't have a coach in place at the time. Uh, I really, I really didn't care. I always knew I was going to end up going there, but I was just waiting to see what the coaching system was for. Waiting for them to get a good head coach like they got right now and a good position coach for me. So like you mentioned, we fast forward a bit and FSU, you know, hires coach Norvell as their next football coach. Um, what was your reaction when they hired coach Norvell? And did you know much about him before he was at FSU? 
No, I didn't know anything about him. So in my research, uh, he got a he got good like good schedules with uh, Memphis. So I seen that, and I knew I was gonna be able to play with a good head coach. When did Coach Norvell and Coach and Coach um, Marcus Woodson first reach out and let you know that your offer still stood? Uh, the first day Coach uh, Woodson got there, he did, he told me my offer was still there. Because I used to talk to him when he was at Auburn all the time. Uh, what, what did it mean to you when, when Coach Woodson came in with the offer and, and said, hey, you're, this this still stands? Uh, it means a lot. But it was, it was kind of like off guard because he came to my school the day before. He was in Auburn, yeah. <laughs> and then the day after that, he called me and said he's going to Florida State. <laughs> it was like, it was kind of weird. And the first day Coach Novell got the job, he came to see me. So I already knew what it was. So, so I'll, I'll let Zach get yeah. back in a qu- real quick though. When you mentioned you're a Florida State fan, like your family's Florida State fans, can you like kind of go in depth, like what what that fandom is like? Like who, uh, parents are FSU fans and like how, how much did you watch FSU growing up? Oh, I watched watch FSU a lot. Especially when it, when it was, uh, had the good years and won the national championship with James Winston and everybody else. Yeah. Like Jalen Ramsey, Jordan James, like Mike. Family had all their jerseys. It was like it was right down front of me. So switching back over to the recruiting, um, you know, in, in March of 2020, visits kind of opened up, and it's been a while um, since that happened. But you were on FSU's campus pretty early on in that month. Why was it so important for you to go check out FSU then? To let them know I'm still coming. I didn't think anything about me just decommitting or anything. Okay. What do you remember most from that visit um, last year in early March? In early March, I bond with the coaches a lot. I talked to them a lot. We had a good time. It was, it was fun for me. I to see the campus for my first time. It, it was kind of like a two-day visit, if I remember. And I think on that second day, we kind of heard you were ready to go run a workout with the players really early in the morning. Is that story true? Yeah, I was there at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> did, did you think that they would allow you to, to go out there and work with those college guys? No, I knew it wasn't going to allow me, but it was good getting up that early and seeing work out. So you get out of that two-day visit, and not soon after, or soon after, you announce your commitment to Coach Norvell and FSU. Why did you decide at that time that it was it was the right time to commit to Florida State? Uh, I know I wasn't gonna waste. I didn't want to waste any time. So if I'm gonna commit and stay committed, I should commit right now. The time it was that time for me to commit. Let the coaches know coming. We're gonna rebuild this thing. All right, so I'll hand it off to Brendan real quick if he if he wants to chime in. Oh, yeah, I did want to ask. I did want to ask Travis. So you mentioned Derwin James earlier and Jalen Ramsey. So obviously a, a couple of uh, FSU's from uh, from FSU corners and, and safeties from DBU. Derwin James got a tattoo of FSU. I think when he was like an, a freshman or sophomore in high school, it was, it was like famous. It was a big deal. He got the FSU tattoo. Uh, have you ever considered getting any FSU FSU ink to make it like officially official? <laughs> no, nah, I was just at the ink shop yesterday, though. Oh, what'd you, what'd you do? What'd you get? Uh, let me show you. It's all right. 
I am pausing the recording of this podcast to paint a picture. Travis on his right bicep has a life is a gamble tattoo with a jack, a queen, a king, and an ace of spades. It's a life is a gamble. Ooh, look at that. That's really that's really intricate. That's nice. Awesome. Zach, are you gonna get any ink while you're in college? I might just have to because of that. <laughs> it hurt. I bet. I bet. Uh, all right. Let's see. Um, Somebody told me I need to get that there. There on the bicep. Yeah, on the bicep. Somebody told me I need to uh, what's it, get an FSU tattoo. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the fan base, like I feel like, would feel like just that would make them feel so great if they just saw that. I'm not telling you to get an FSU tattoo. I'm just saying mm-hmm. the fan base would would go crazy for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Zach. See, I told you I'd make it a little awkward. Go ahead, back back to you, buddy. No, it's all good. Um, so Travis, since your commitment to Florida State, um, back back in last year, you've been kind of one of those one of the most vocal recruits. I've personally ever seen on social media, kind of telling guy, telling other you know talented recruits um, to come join you at Florida State. Why is it so important for you to get these other guys to join you? I'm trying to get it back to where it was. Going back to FSU is great. This is my goal. Bringing the best players and the dogs. You know, probably the best opportunity so far to, to do that um, was this past weekend at the, the FSU spring game because they had so many talented guys on campus. Um, you were actually on campus all week leading up to the game. So I guess why did you decide to, to spend your whole spring break over there? Just to get the ball with Tallahassee when I come. Got you. So when you were looking ahead to the weekend, what was your plan going in? to kind of try and recruit some of the guys that were expected to be there on Saturday? Getting as much people, I'm getting as much people together at one time to talk to them is a good, good thing that I did. Let them know why I'm committed to FSU, why it's a good place to go. Which recruit would you say, or, or you know, multiple recruits, were you on the most um, on Saturday about getting them to join the class? AJ Duffy, Quinn Stout. Alana, Alana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was on them a lot. And Tony Mitchell. It's like my little brother. I know him a lot too. So what did you and Nico and all the other guys there end up doing other than, you know, check out the spring game? What did you guys do in, just in Tallahassee in general? Just have fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. When is the next time that you plan to be up at Florida State. So if they did period over, I'll be there. I think the first day. Have you given thoughts on when you want to take your official yet to Florida State? Uh, yeah, my official visit is set for the first game of the season. Notre Dame. So for Notre Dame? Yeah. What are you looking forward to with that? Just getting the game day experience? Yeah, coming out with the win. That'd be awesome. So we mentioned a little bit earlier, you and Coach Woodson, you kind of have a special relationship. If you, if you don't mind, just can you describe that relationship and just how, how deep it is? Because I remember you posted on Twitter a couple months ago, just I think it was Coach Woodson's birthday, and you were kind of calling him kind of a father figure. 
um, like your uncle. So just describe that relationship with you and Coach Woodson. Coach Woodson talk a lot. Every day we talk. Every day. I got to know him really well. He got to know me really well. Always checking up on each other. He treat me like a nephew, son. Oh, kids. Like he wake up and text me good morning. He tell me good night every night. Make sure I pray every day. We did a good one. With that relationship with Coach Woodson and just your love for FSU, is there is there any chance that a school could flip you? Huh. LOL. No. <laughs> 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 and on that note, I think Brendan wanted to ask something about that. Yeah, it, I, I'm. I know there's so many schools that and you probably get tired of like people asking, "Are oh, could anyone flip you and stuff?" But at the same time, you're getting, I'm sure, calls and stuff from you know the Clemsons, the Georgias of the world, the Alabamas. When Nick Saban texts or calls, like do you do you pick up? Do you avoid him? Like how do you deal with like Nick Saban, like one of the best coaches of all time, when he reaches out to you? Like how do you how do you handle that? Is that a compliment or is it something like you just don't want to really get into? <laughs> nah, you don't call me. <laughs> okay, that makes yeah, it easy yeah. then, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I, I had a follow-up question on, on your relationship with Coach Woodson. You mentioned even when he was back at, at Auburn, uh, this guy's when you guys first started talking. Like, how, how early on in talking to him did you kind of realize, like, this is someone that you could trust, someone that was going to be an important part of your, of your life? Uh, I'll say probably, like, two months into it. So we used to talk every day when I wasn't even committed nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like one of the coaches that stayed on me. Make sure my grades right. Stay on me a lot. So, Travis, um, just wanted to chime in real quick. You go both ways for your high school at receiver and cornerback. Um, you put up massive production at both positions. At the college level, do you plan to stick at corner only, or is Coach Dillingham begging you to run some offensive snaps for him? He's not begging me. He's telling me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be running some offensive snaps too. What do you think is like a reasonable – like would you think you like you play like five to, to ten snaps a game on offense? Do you think you play as many as, as needed? Like is there a certain level you think like I'm going to be this involved into the offense as well as obviously being the primary cornerback? Uh, nah, I just don't, I'm going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. There's that video of, I, I can't remember what pylon event it was, but it was about a month ago. You, you basically two cornerbacks tried to double team you at the line of scrimmage and you weren't too happy about it. Has that, and you beat them and you score a touchdown. Has anyone tried to double team you since then? Or did everyone just kind of learn their lesson? Nah, I still get double team <laughs> every day. You played a lot of seven on seven in the past couple of months with a lot of, you know, different teams around the country. Why was it so important for you to go in and compete in all these different places? Because I remember you kind of mentioned you wanted to kind of prove to everyone that you could you could compete with anyone in any any spot in the country. So why, why was it so important for you to go and do that? I'm trying to get that number one spot. I don't think I think people still got doubt on me, so I'm gonna prove them wrong every time. So seven on seven is a good way for me to prove it. Because there's some players that's not good at padded football that's good at seven on seven. 
So let's show them I can do both. So moving forward a little bit, just kind of towards the future, when you first get on campus at Florida State, do you plan to do anything specific to help position yourself to contribute right away? Uh, no, I'm just going to go in ground mode. Do what I need to do to get on the field. And then finally for me, um, what are your, some of your career goals while you're in Tallahassee? What, what are some of the things you'd like to accomplish while at FSU? I want to be in the, I want to be in the record book. I want to be in the Hall of Fame. And I want to get a degree. That's good stuff. All right, uh, Travis, that's everything that, that I had. I think that's everything that Zach had as well. So both of us want to thank you for, for joining us here on the bench, man. We, we really appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you for having me. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.